And children would bless the congregation by saying to them, on three, on three, uh, <laughs> may the Lord be with you. Ready? One, two, three. May the Lord be with you. Good morning again. Good morning again. <laughs> there are certain rituals that we uh, remember and some we forget. It's uh, good to be back together, uh, learning those rituals once again, those things that really shape us and who we are. Uh, if you're a visitor with us, uh, we're glad that you are here. We hope that you can quickly catch on to the the cadence, the ritual of our life together. Uh, you are important to us and we want to make sure that you know that you are welcome. And uh, please introduce yourself to us. Those of us who've been here a while, if you see someone you don't know, uh, take the first step and introduce yourself to them. There is a, a black pad there in your pew. If you want to take that and sign it, that's uh, our way of knowing who's here this morning. That would be helpful for us. We are making our way through the Gospel of Mark. And we find ourselves in chapter five this morning. We're reading the first 20 verses. We looked last week at Jesus and the disciples getting in the boat uh, and the storm coming and Jesus calming the storm. We find out here where it was that they were going. So listen to God's word to us, Mark chapter five. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he, had off, for, he had been, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue, sub, no one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on a, on a nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you 
and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Humor is a funny thing. It's literally a funny thing. <laughs> it's fun to watch uh, your children grow up as they learn to develop a sense of humor. I remember my own development. I remember the first uh, joke, or yes, riddle, that I made up all by myself when I was a kid. Do you know why, do you know why there weren't very many ants during the Revolutionary War? Because there are only 13 colonies. I made that up all by myself, yes. My own kids, I won't say which one, came up with a classic variation of the chicken, chicken crossing the road joke. They came up with this all on their own. Do you know why the chicken crossed the road? To get the corn. They came up with that all by themselves. It is fun to watch your children develop a sense of humor. They have grown quite a bit. Along those lines, do you know why the disciples got in the boat? To get to the other side. That's right. Last week, we looked at the story of the disciples and Jesus in the boat and Jesus calming the storm. Jesus saved them from the storm, but we need to remember that this was not a pleasure cruise. They were not just out on the lake for fun. Jesus was taking them somewhere. They had a mission, a purpose. And the purpose was indeed to get to the other side. Let's first look at the story we've read from the perspective of the disciples. The other side, the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, was called the Decapolis, the region of the Ten Cities. It was the Gentile side of the Sea of Galilee, the pagan side, Almost all the disciples were from Galilee, so they would have been accustomed to being around Gentiles, but they would not have been excited about entering a region that was predominantly Gentile. And as Mark tells the story, everything about this side of the Sea of Galilee, the other side, cries out impurity, unclean, contamination. It is likely that the disciples and Jesus knew about this man. He would have been infamous around the lake. And so when they get to the other side, there would have been concern among the disciples. They were getting out of the boat in an unclean Gentile neighborhood where a man with an unclean spirit lived among the tombs with unclean corpses, surrounded by people in unclean occupations like taking care of pigs. As Jews, everything about this trip to the other side would have cried out, unclean. The text says in verse 2, and when Jesus got out of the boat, and that's the anything about the disciples getting out of the boat. It makes us wonder, did the disciples even want to get out of the boat? As soon as Jesus got out of the boat, to make it worse, this man with an unclean spirit comes running to meet Jesus, naked, bruised, bleeding, yelling at the top of his voice, what do you want with me? Or, or literally, what have you to do with me, Jesus, Lord, Son of the Lord, Most High God? 
And we can imagine the disciples, right? Unsure about this place, you know, with one leg over the side of the boat, pulling that leg back in, right? And saying, ah. And then Jesus, right? Maybe get back in the boat quick. Everything is telling them that this is not a good place for people like us. But Jesus did not make a move to get back in the boat. He is not afraid. In fact, he addresses the man, or more specifically, the unclean spirit. Come out of this man, you unclean spirit. Our first point this morning, when we get in the boat with Jesus, he will sometimes take us places where we are not comfortable going. He is with us in the boat. He rescues us in the boat. And he takes us to a place where we would never want to go. Secondly, let's look at this story from the perspective of Legion, of this man who is filled with numerous unclean spirits. He has been driven from his community. He lives amongst the tombs. His only companions are corpses. People have tried to bind him, but no one and no thing has been strong enough to bind him. No chains, no shackles. And he is terrifying to everyone who comes near him. He cannot be bound, but he is not free. He is captive to this legion of unclean spirits. He howls like a dog because he feels like he is less than human, more like a dog than a man. And he is continually bruising himself with stones because he is so unclean, so impure, that he deserves to be stoned. He is filled with self-loathing, and everyone around him confirms him in that feeling. He is not worried about being contaminated. No, he is the one with the virus. He is contagious. And everyone avoids him, except Jesus. He starts running at Jesus, and he can see, right? He can see the uncertainty in the disciples, but not in Jesus. Jesus is not afraid. He is not backing away. And I wonder if that's not true today in the church. People may see in his disciples a fear and uncertainty, but when they see Jesus, they see that he is not afraid. He does not back away. Have you ever felt like this man? Have you ever felt like you are unclean, impure, captive to sin, and there are no chains that can keep you from sinning? Maybe it's an addiction that has overwhelmed you and holds you prisoner. Jesus is the strong man. No one could subdue this man, we're told. But Jesus is strong enough to bind these unclean, evil spirits. Back in Mark chapter 3, verse 27, we read about Jesus. We talked about Satan as a strong man that no one can plunder his house without first tying up the strong man. Jesus is strong enough to bind Satan and to plunder his house. And that is exactly what Jesus is doing in this story. The unclean spirits do everything they can to intimidate Jesus. They, they run at him. They resist his initial command to leave the man. And when Jesus asks for their name, they say, our name is Legion, for we are many. There is an implied threat in their response. 
not just one evil spirit, Jesus. Many of us are here. But Jesus is not afraid. A Roman legion had five or 6,000 soldiers. 6,000 evil spirits are no match for one Jesus. In verse seven, the NIV translates the spirit saying to Jesus, swear to God that you won't torture me. Some translations say, I adjure you by God, do not torment me. And the word adjure is an exorcism word. It's a word that an exorcist would use to cast out an evil spirit. And here the evil spirits are trying to adjure Jesus. They're trying to command Jesus, exert authority over Jesus, and they have none. In the end, all they can do is beg, as we see in verse 10. Now, I have struggled with this text. My tendency is to interpret it personally, individually, but there are communal implications as well. Because the bondage of evil spirits is not only personal and individual, it is also corporate and social. When we are told that the name of the man is Legion, Mark uses a Latin word, the Latin word Legion. It's a Roman word. And it makes us wonder, is Jesus saying that the Roman legions are a demonic force of possession in the land? Is Jesus saying that the Roman legion has to be driven out of that country? Not only that, but at that time, the 10th Roman legion was the ones that were occupying Palestine. And the 10th legion had the insignia of a wild boar on its banners. Is Jesus saying that he will drive out the demons of Roman oppression and they will be destroyed by drowning just like God destroyed Pharaoh's army by drowning in the first exodus as Jesus now is doing a second exodus setting his people free. Some of us hear this text and we jump to the personal application. Jesus indeed can free each of us from whatever demons we may struggle with. Jesus is not afraid. And there are some of us who have struggled with addiction or depression may feel like nothing is stronger than our particular demons. But Jesus got in the boat and crossed to the other side to set you and me free. He has the authority to do it and he wants to do it. But others of us hear this text and we hear something different. We have learned about systemic sin we have seen how sin cannot, can be not only about personal choices, but also about systems. Whole societies that are structured in such a way as to enslave and kill and destroy. Jesus did not just meet a sinner on the other side of the lake. He met a whole cultural system that was unclean, that was evil. He met a man filled with evil spirits in a country where people did unclean jobs and that cultivated unclean pigs. The evil spirits begged Jesus to, send them, to not send them out of that area because it was an area that was hospitable to unclean spirits. The most obvious example of this in our lives is materialism. No one tells us that money will make you happy. No one tells us that buying stuff will bring you joy and fulfillment. But we learn that. We believe that. We order our lives according to those beliefs that are ingrained in us from an early age. This pandemic has shown a bright light on our individualism 
and how we, how we stubbornly we refuse to admit that my health is dependent on your health and your health is dependent on my health. I didn't choose this. It's the air that we breathe. It's the system that we live in. It's what our African-American brothers and sisters have been trying to teach us about racism. And when our eyes are opened to the nature of this kind of systemic sin, we can easily give in to despair. It is so pervasive, so powerful, that we can never be set, we can never be set free from this kind of sin. But Jesus is not afraid. He was not afraid of the militarism of Rome. He was not afraid to the point that he suffered the worst that Rome could do. He suffered death on a Roman cross so that we might be set free. Our second point then, from the perspective of legion, of this man who is possessed by a legion of demons, is that Jesus is not afraid of whatever type and form of sin that has captured us. We can come to him and he will not run away from us. Instead, he will set us free. Our third point is to look at this story from the perspective of the townspeople. They are told that the demon-possessed man has been healed. And in verse 15, we are told, when they saw him there clothed and speaking in his right mind, that they were afraid. Just like the disciples. Remember last week when Jesus calms the storm, the disciples were more afraid of Jesus than of the storm. Who is this man, they said, who wind and waves obey? The townspeople were afraid when they saw the man in his right mind. We grow comfortable with the demons that we know. The status quo isn't perfect, but it's known. When I first read the story, I was struck that the people would beg Jesus to leave. He had healed this man. He had set, set him free. He had set the whole community free from fear of this man. This would be undeniable good news, right? But our third point is this, that we are a lot like the townspeople. We too are prone to beg Jesus to leave our region. This is true even of us in the church. This is true because of the radical implications of the story. They begged Jesus to leave because of the financial impact that he had. The community had lost 2,000 pigs. That's a lot of pigs. I looked it up online. I wonder, how much does a pig cost today? Right? And I found one place where you could buy a pig, $1,000 for one pig. Do the math, 2,000 pigs at $1,000 a piece is $2 million worth of pigs drowned in the lake. That's significant, right? $2 million, a lot of pigs, a lot of money. <laughs> Having Jesus in our life will have a financial impact on us as well. Jesus is not apologetic about the pigs. He's indifferent to whatever economic hardship he just brought on this community. Following Jesus for us will mean at least at least a generosity of our, of our finances that goes beyond giving 10%. It means a radical surrender of our finances that will indeed make us uncomfortable. Following Jesus is radical because Jesus will mess with our systems. 
He will not only save individuals, but he will also mess with whole economic systems. Losing $2 million worth of pigs is an invitation to consider a different form of livelihood. It's an invitation to live together differently. It's an invitation to order our lives, not based on profit, but based on righteousness, on doing what is right. We are like the townspeople because we are tempted to keep Jesus away because we ask the same question. Who is this man who not only commands wind and waves, but also commands and evil spirits obey? Who is this man? This man has such authority that it challenges our own authority. If he can do this, then what else can I do but obey him? What else can I do but give myself to him? And we are afraid of that. We're told that the townspeople begged Jesus to leave that region. And Jesus, always a gentleman, listened. We're also told that the man begged Jesus as well. He begged Jesus to let him go with him. And Jesus refused him. I said, no, you must stay and be my witness. The first missionary to the Gentiles was this man to stay and tell what the Lord had done for him, the mercy the Lord had shown him. Which will you be? Will you be one of the townspeople begging Jesus to stay at a distance? Or will you be like the man begging Jesus, let me go with you? And thanks be to God, because of Jesus and because of his Holy Spirit, we don't have to choose to be his witness or to go with him. Jesus goes with us as we are sent out into mission in our world. Let me close with a story about my dad on Father's Day. If you've heard me talk about him before, you know he was a great dad. He loved me very well. Would every day affirm his love for me. We had certain rituals we would do. One of those was he'd hold us in his lap and say, you know what? And we'd say, what? And he'd say, I love you. And sometimes he said something strange. He had certain strange things about him. One of the things was is that he would say, not only I love you, but he'd say, you know what? I love you more than all the pigs in Ireland. I have no idea why he said that. I mean, I don't even know if there are a lot of pigs in Ireland or not. My mom was from Ireland, so it might have something to do with my mom, but I don't know. When our kids were growing up, we took on the tradition, but we, we lived in Iowa, and there are a ton of pigs in Iowa, more even than North Carolina. I looked it up. Right? Our God loves us more than all the pigs in Iowa. Right. <laughs> I see Joe back there cheering on for Iowa. That is our father. Can we trust him? Yeah. Let us pray. Lord God, we pray that indeed we would be those who beg you to stay with us, 
no matter what changes it brings, no matter the fears that we have of what those changes might mean for us, may we see that you are the good and righteous one, the one who can set us free, the one who can set us free to be who we were created to be. And Lord, may we live into the mission you have called us to, of bearing witness to those around us, of your goodness, of your mercy, of your grace for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.